Hello, I'm Ronnie Lutz. This is The Liner Project. Welcome to Season 2 of The Liner Project. This season we will discuss topics from Tiananmen Square to Pompeii, from World War I and II to a mine in Australia. We will span time and continents, and hopefully we'll have some fun and learn some history along the way. I will mispronounce many names in this episode and all the others, so be prepared for that. I also want to thank and appreciate all the people that tuned in for Season 1 of The Liner Project. If you haven't listened, you can certainly go back and listen to that season as well. I really enjoyed doing it. If you think someone you know may enjoy this podcast, let them know about it. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. The first episode of this season is going to be about a protest where the death toll was from the hundreds to perhaps the thousands. We're going to discuss the song China by Joan Baez. Joan Chandos Baez sings mostly contemporary folk music, which often are about protests or social justice issues. She has released over 30 albums in her 60 years of performing. She is fluent in Spanish and English, but has recorded songs in six other languages. I was first introduced to Baez on that 8-track tape of Woodstock that I told you all about last season that my dad had. She did 14 songs during Woodstock and was featured prevalently on the 8-track tape. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. Baez herself has an amazingly interesting backstory. Her grandfather, Alberto Baez, left the Catholic Church to become a Methodist minister. The Baez family moved to Brooklyn when her father Albert was two years old. Alberto preached to a Spanish-speaking congregation. Albert considered the ministry, but instead chose to major in mathematics and physics and got a Ph.D. from Stanford in 1950. Albert Baez, Joan's father, is credited as a co-inventor of the X-ray microscope. Her mother, Joan Chandos Baez, yes, the same name as the daughter, and was known as Joan Sr. or Big Joan, was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. She is the daughter of an Anglican priest that is descended from the Dukes of Chandos. The Baez family converted to Quakerism during Joan Jr. or Little Joan's early childhood. I have no idea if that's what they called her, but it makes sense to me being a junior myself. I'm going to assume that Quakerism was a big factor in Baez's lifelong belief in pacifism and commitment to social issues. We aren't going to talk much about Quakerism. That's kind of hard for me to pronounce today, but maybe in the future. It's an interesting belief system that I didn't know enough about until doing some research for this episode. Now let's get to the song. In the month of May, in the glory of the day, came the descendants of a hundred flowers, and their fight it did begin with the aging Mandarin, and they fought with an extraordinary power. Everyone was smiling, their hearts were Baez is talking about the 1989 Tiananmen Square protest that took place between April 15th and June 4th of 1989. The protest ended in a massacre on June 4th when the government declared martial law and sent in PLA, People's Liberation Army, to occupy Beijing. But let's go back a bit. Tiananmen Square is a city square in the the city center of Beijing. It is named after the Tiananmen, or the Gate of Heavenly Peace. This is the gate that leads into the Forbidden City. The Forbidden City was built between 
1420. It was the seat of the Chinese government for almost 500 years. The entire Forbidden City complex consists of 980 buildings with 9,999 rooms. have no clue why they couldn't just make 10,000, but it has 9,999. And covers 7.8 million square feet. Huge! Tiananmen was originally built in 1420 by the Ming Dynasty and has been destroyed and rebuilt several times. The gate as it stands currently is more than 300 years old, but was renovated in the late 1960s. Tiananmen is 217 feet long, 121 feet wide, and 105 feet high. Two stone columns stand in front of the building. The western and eastern walls have giant signs. The left one reads, Long live the People's Republic of China, while the right one reads, Long live the great unity of the world's peoples, which seems a little on the nose. Fast forward from 1420 to 1957, and then to 1999. In the month of June, in the darkness of the moon, when the descendants of a hundred flowers, and time may never tell how many of them fell, like the petals of a Flowers campaign was a movement within the Chinese Communist government to relax restrictions on Chinese intellectuals, thereby granting greater freedom of thought and speech. The event took place from May of 1956 to July of 1957. In February of 1956, Mao Zedong, leader of the Chinese Communist Party movement, echoed the famous Chinese slogan, Let a hundred flowers bloom, and a hundred schools of thought contend. Criticism of the communist regime was slow in developing, but by the spring of 1957 the criticism became almost deafening. Wall posters were hung everywhere with party members and students alike criticizing other party members and the party itself. In June of 1957, with the publication of an amended version of the speech Mao had given in February of 1956 called On the Correct Handling of Contradictions Among the People, the party began to signal that the criticism had gone too far. By early July, an anti-rightist campaign was underway in which the recent critics of the regime were subjected to severe retribution. Most of them lost their jobs and were forced to do manual labor in the country, and some were even sent to prison. The descendants of the Hundred Flowers campaign were the students at Tiananmen Square in 1989. These protests were precipitated by the death of pro-reform Communist General Secretary Hu Yaobang in April of 1989. This was amid the backdrop of a rapid ex economic development and social change in post-Mao China. The reforms of China's economy led to anxieties about the future for the students. Other common grievances at the time included inflation, corruption, limited preparedness of graduates for the new economy, and restrictions on political participation. This was a highly disorganized protest, and goals were varied, but the students called for greater accountability for the party and the party members, constitutional due process for the Chinese population, democracy, freedom of speech, and freedom of the press. At its biggest, more than one million protesters were in Tiananmen Square. On May 20th, 
the Chinese government declared martial law and mobilized as many as 250,000 members of the PLA, the People's Liberation Army. Hmm, name seems a little on the nose as well. The army's entry into the capital was blocked in the suburbs by throngs of protesters. Tens of thousands of demonstrators surrounded military vehicles, preventing them from advancing or retreating. On the evening of June 2nd, reports that an army vehicle ran over four civilians, killing three, sparked fear that the army and the police were trying to advance into Tiananmen Square. On June 3rd, the Wall Street Journal reported, As columns of tanks and tens of thousands of soldiers approached Tiananmen, many troops were set on by angry mobs who screamed fascist. Dozens of soldiers were pulled from trucks, severely beaten, and left for dead. At an intersection west of the square, the body of a young soldier who had been beaten to death was stripped naked and hung from the side of the bus. Another soldier's corpse was strung up at an intersection east of the square. As you can see, the protests and riots are progressing. At 12.15 a.m. on June 4, three APCs, armored personnel carriers, broke through into Tiananmen Square. The students threw chunks of concrete at the vehicles. One APC stalled and the demonstrators covered it with gasoline doused blankets and set it on fire. The students, however, peacefully got the soldiers out and took them to medics. At 2 a.m., other troops fired shots over the students' heads. The students broadcast pleadings toward the troops, We entreat you in peace, for democracy and freedom of the motherland, for strength and prosperity of the Chinese nation. Please comply with the will of the people and refrain from using force against peaceful student demonstrators. Throughout the morning, many student protesters were beaten and killed. The troops eventually cleared Tiananmen Square on the 4th by brutal violence. The number of deaths and extent of bloodshed in the square itself have been in dispute since the events. The CCP, Chinese Communist Party, actively suppressed discussion of casualty figures immediately after the events, and estimates rely heavily on eyewitness testimonies. As a result, large discrepancies exist among various casualty estimates. Initial estimates range from the official figure of a few hundred to several thousand. Officially, the CCP says 300 people died. Other reports say 300 to 1,000. In 2017, a declassified British cable sent after the events at Tiananmen Square claimed, based on the information from a good friend, in quotes, in the China State Council, that the number was 10,000. But that number was later revised to 2,700 to 3,400. And then the song ends with... Unfortunately, the song ends with China Shall Be Free, which didn't happen and still hasn't happened. The CCP actually reversed many of the freedoms gained during the 80s and took a hardcore stance against freedom of speech and the press. There is no happy ending for the descendants of the hundred flowers. As so often is the case in this podcast and in history, the ending isn't exactly what you want it to be. That ends this episode about Joan Baez's song China and the protests at Tiananmen Square. I'll see you in a couple weeks with hopefully 
a happier story. Thanks for listening. Hint, it won't be happier. <laughs>